Welcome to Chaos Secured Podcast. You're here with Kirkpatrick Miller and Jeffrey Freed. We're going to jump right into a very hot and very touchy subject. Um, so this is depression, and this is prevalent across the board uh, with pretty much anybody that's dealing with uh, hypersensitivity, somebody on the spectrum, bipolar. I mean, uh, we can go on. There's a long list. So instead of doing that, let's kind of talk about maybe some of the things that um, have changed in this world and, and what what's maybe, I mean, to me, there's, we've, we've addressed some of the issues that, you know, drive people to feel this alone and this dark. Um, and that's in previous podcasts. Uh, before I kind of get into some of the, my thoughts on it, um, Jeffrey, just kind of give your thoughts on like what you're seeing um, with all the little ones that you work with and uh, all through adults and stuff. Just what are some things that you have seen? What are your thoughts on it? All right. Well, I've got a pretty good opinion too, a pretty strong opinion. It is increasing rapidly. When people say, well, now people are free to talk about it. It's not a stigma. And there's certainly an element there, but it's more than that. There is more depression. Pretty much any article that you read, scientific journal, whatever, um, talks about it. Honestly, amongst adults, it's kind of rare to find someone who's not on an antidepressant. And they don't always work. Um, I've been noticing more and more commercials on TV are for depression and for medication to help depression. And now they're doing this thing where they're saying, you know, basically one medication isn't enough. If you're still depressed after taking an antidepressant, try another antidepressant and you'll be better well it's not working um there's reasons for people to be depressed big time um amongst the population that i work with who are mostly on the autistic spectrum um they're probably doing better than the average person um it is not unusual for someone on the spectrum to be depressed um they're moody like we, you know, it's like everybody gets in good moods and bad moods. But again, ad nauseum, I'm going to say this forever: the the person with autism has more powerful senses. So when they're happy, they can be manic, um, and they're not bipolar either. Um, when they're sad, they can be pretty pretty dark and pretty depressed. That's because their emotions are more intense than most people. That is so important to recognize because a lot of people who are autistic, um, you know, middle or low, high functioning autistic will go to a doctor, a, a therapist, a psychiatrist, and they're sad and they're depressed and they're in the middle of a, you know, like a, the throes of a depressive ep episode and they can easily be misdiagnosed. I think it happens all the time because the um, professional sees that they're quite depressed and assumes that's the problem. And if you give somebody antidepressants who don't need them, it can be pretty bad. Um, there's reports of suicides, the reports of the depression getting much worse, um, violence. It I mean, can cause mania too. You're correct too. Cause if, I mean, that was one of the reasons they wanted to be careful with, with me is they were concerned, you know, if, if you're given 
the wrong medication and it's not fitting for your particular case, it, it can be off. Well, it, it can set other things off. And that's another reason it's so good to, you know, make sure that you know what your particular diagnosis is. When you said that it was, um, you said something that I really liked where you said that there's this idea that it's okay to talk. And for me, you know, the, what I have felt for a very long time and, you know, it is, yes, it's become a little bit more okay to talk about and there's, there's less of a stigma on it, but there's still a huge misunderstanding. And I was watching a documentary and, you know, one of the individuals in the, the show was just kind of talking about, you know, being, uh, you know, just get up, get moving. As long as you're doing something, you, you can't be depressed, right? And the a lot of people feel that, and they still have the misguided notion that depression is, um, is a choice. So there are different types of depressions. And for anyone listening, you know, I want to be very clear about this. There are people that are a little bit down and struggling and, you know, getting up and going out to a park might really improve their day. There are other people that are you know, depressed and there's MRI scans that show this where the brain just goes dark. I mean, there's, we have physical data that shows a clinical true depression is not something you can just, you know, shout out of someone. You can't yell at them to get them up or get them going. It doesn't work. And um, so I still feel like there's a huge misunderstanding. Would you would you agree with that? And that, that even includes the group and individuals that, um, you know, there's no right way to say this, um, but people who either attempt and attempt is not a good word. I don't even like any of the words that we talk about when we use, when we talk about suicide, but um, you know, in my case, when I was quiet, when I didn't tell anybody how I was feeling, when I just kind of, dropped off the map that was probably the most concerning time and for people watching out for that so those were my a couple thoughts on just what you had said do you have a feel on like how many people that you see that you still work with that really truly believe it's just a, a choice and you can push through it not many um they're not the ones that um are guilty here it's the general public um you know, a parent will look at a kid or another relative and say, God, they've got it good. Why are they, why are they depressed? They get their food paid for. All they've got to do is go to school. They're healthy. Why are they depressed? Snap out of it. That's prevalent amongst a lot of adults and the parents of people who are suffering from depression. And one thing I know, I'm not, I don't have depression. But I know plenty of people that do. And I think I heard this from you one time, too. When you're really depressed, because you are pretty are clinically depressed, when you're really depressed, you can't move. You are absolutely, you know, completely incapacitated. And that's not when you worry about people killing themselves. 
when you worry about is when they start coming out of it, when they have the energy to kill themselves. And suicide is the second leading cause, if not the first, of death amongst people under 30. The other one that's either one or two is gun violence, murder. Um, and both of those things for one and two are, that's just, just absolutely despicable that that's true. But depression is there for a reason too, because not everyone is clinically depressed, obviously. But I think the general mood is dark. I think the pandemic really, really aided that. And the other thing is the economy, the fact that you can't trust the government, you can't trust politicians, you can't trust almost anybody. And if you have a kid, you know, like a Gen Z kid, they, some of them are really smart. And they look into the future and they hear about um, climate change, how awful that is and how the earth is basically a cesspool. The water isn't any good. The food's adulterated. My God, who wouldn't be depressed? It's the person who is, you know, I guess either convinced themselves or just born with a lot of serotonin and a sunny disposition and they're there and they somehow go fine. Um, they live life and reasonably happy. And, but it's a, it's a decreasing percentage of people. I would agree. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm over 70. So when I was a kid, people were depressed, but there was so much less. It wasn't like one and two adults or two and three adults on medication. Well, they didn't have medication. But, I mean, there were people that were depressed who you knew were suffering, but they didn't talk about it. And they definitely felt the stigma. If you were people found out you were depressed and you're a business person, you can lose business. Um, it could, yeah, it, absolutely. It was really bad. Now, nowadays, it's not. It's not perfect, but we're headed in the right direction, which is good because I don't see this going away anytime soon. Probably like climate change is going to get worse. You know, ooh, I don't know how many people have ever uh, you know, approached it from the standpoint of, um, you know, what's the opposite of depression? And, and a lot of times the opposite to me really is hope. And, Good. um, you know, one of the things that you just mentioned is, you know, what, what drives people to click on things or pay attention to things. It always comes from a place of, well, I shouldn't say always, um, absolutes are almost never correct, but, you know, I guess for me, you see the majority of interactions responding to negative. The more intense it is, the more, more visceral, um, the more people react and that gains traction. And everything now is more about a brand and traction than it is about heart. So a product used to sell because it was something that enhanced people's lives in terms of, you know, I mean, now you watch an ad, you never even know what they're talking about until the, you know, the very end. I mean, it's, I, I'm going off on a tangent. I don't want to, I don't want to lose my, my train of thought. The, the main thing um, I really liked one thing that you said is that as you're looking forward, it's very difficult to see um, a lot of hope, but definitely people with that are diagnosed so, you know, out of 
the people that are diagnosed with, uh, say, bipolar, um, and actually, I, I pulled up the numbers yesterday. I, I have them somewhere. And it was just, it was kind of startling and a little bit sad as well. You know, um, out of the people, percentages of people who go to college, um, when you have the percentage of, you know, individuals with, say, uh, bipolar or um, so bipolar patients, let's see, percentage um, you know, who go to college, um, and the percentage who graduate from medical school. So that's a doctoral level school is 0.3%. Oh, um, it was, you know, I, I had it do all of them for autism. It's 0.19% for generalized anxiety, anxiety. It's 0.6% for ADHD. Mm. It's 1.6%. Um, these are from Bard, uh, dyslexia, 1.25%. Uh, and we're talking about clinical depression. So you have 1.8%. Now, that tells you that we have a large population. It's, that's way low, Kirk. Those, are, no, those right are people that, those are just from medical school. So that would be a postdoctoral. Um, the, the numbers were much higher for undergrad, but not even close to the general population. So if you compare numbers of people that are neurodiverse, and as we've spoken about before, the system is built around stuff that makes some of these individuals that are prone to depression, it reminds them that they, um, I don't want to say it reminds them that they can't, that's not the right wording. It, it made me feel like everything that was written about me was true, that I couldn't succeed, that I, I was bound to fail. There was no hope because if I couldn't succeed in that setting, even though I was getting good grades, I mean, I, I was, uh, it was not an easy thing for me to do. And every time I would get depressed and be unable to function or go to class, I would get behind. All of a sudden, things would pull back on me. And then, um, then you're catching up. So, you know, it was, uh, it was a continuous cycle of trying to just survive and you know a lot of times i did just want to give up and i think you know that's where we start getting where you you mentioned uh, and i did say it when i was truly depressed i was catatonic and i was unable to function to verbalize things i was unable to act um and you know so uh, you know i do get frustrated when i hear people that just don't understand they've never had something like that happen to them and they a lot of people did even my my dad and he was this, the most spectacular person on the planet but he often would be like just get up let's go do something come on let's go do this let's do this let's do this he was trying to be positive and it just there was something inside me that just wasn't able to respond and it actually was even more painful because i couldn't respond the way i wanted to so it was just another failure yeah. Um, and we, we've talked about some of this stuff snowballing out of control in other um, areas with other issues, but it does the same thing with depression. And, you know, for, for me, you know, we have uh, spoken on the ability of being able to talk about things, being able to communicate. So, you know, for me, I was definitely, I grew up in more of the generation where it was not okay to talk about you know, suicide and stuff like that. And, uh, oh, somebody, 
you know, tried to off themselves or I apologize for the language. I don't know what to say, but you know, when somebody takes that kind of an action, it was a faux pas and it would spread like wildfire. You know, everybody would talk about it. Well, it was a stigma. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the thing about depression is the, the media fuels it too. They say they report the news, but everyone has an agenda and the agenda is always hate the the other side of the political coin. Um, example, if you're um, a right winger, very conservative, and you know you look at the proliferation of more liberal ideas, you get depressed about that. If you're more um, from the political left, you're going to be besieged by how Trump's going to ruin the world, how the Republicans are, you know, just dooming us to extinction. That gets depressing. I mean, the whole thing, I mean, I'm not saying that's not true. Um, I'm no lover of Donald Trump and the right wing, but social media and just media, they make money if you tune in. They don't make any money if you don't watch it. And terrible news will suck you in, make you pay attention so you have better ratings if you're a show. And I know that um, they know that, but they do it because of ratings. Um, they don't care what damage they do. Um, they just want ratings. And that's pretty much a terrible thing because we're playing with a nation's, if not a world's, mental health. And I am convinced that the rise in gun violence, is a lot of it's depression. Now, I've, I learned in college and grad school, we're taking psychology courses, that depression is nothing more than anger turned inwards. And if that's true, we know we have a proliferation of angry people in this country, very angry. And, you know, that's depression. It's a more socially acceptable way in some circles to be, you know, angry and hate groups of people. And really underneath, you're just depressed. Um, and people feed on that. And it's a, it's a damn shame. Yeah, you know, um, when we were talking earlier just about, uh, you know, reasons that we see people frustrated. And so I brought up, you know, college, you know, people, a lot of times if they're diagnosed with something, they are told, oh, you're going to struggle with this, with relationships. And the, you know, my biggest issue that I struggle with, with depression is that a lot of, um, I, I would say, and this is actually something I don't think I've ever really thought of, but I would say I got more honesty from professionals when it came to bipolar than I did when it came to depression. Um, not many people addressed depression in a way that even seemed to matter. It was almost like it was a, a I don't know, like I was bringing up a ghost. It was different. Um, the bipolar, they would say, you know, oh, you're going to struggle with this and this and this, you know, specific a list of things. Oh, with OCD, this is going to be the things that you have to face. And when it came to depression, it was just like, uh, I mean, there, there was nothing like you're going to face this feeling or you're going to. So for people that are, are in that state um, and, you know, or people who don't know about it, for me, it was very deep, very heavy. And even the idea of breathing is just, it takes effort.
So it just, everything feels heavy. Everything feels pretty much like nothingness. And, you know, you start sitting there and you just, for me, I couldn't pull myself out. So, you know, they tried medications, they've tried other things and they are making headway. So there is, there is some hope in, in us solving some of this, but, you know, I, I, I want to say to all the individuals that are out there, you know, one thing that keeps me from, um, you know, dealing with, you know, sinking back down is we know for a fact that this is accurate. Exercise is extremely helpful. Getting a good night's sleep, trying to go to bed at the same time during the golden hour and, you know, wake up at the same time each day. It doesn't matter if it's a weekend vacation, just stay consistent, you know, healthy diet. Those things will help. And having a good gut, there's a lot of uh, connections between, you know, our, our, our stomach and our probiotics and that entire subsystem and then our brain. So we know there's some things that. So there are things that you can do to give yourself a higher probability of avoiding depression. But there's, you know, I, I would say there's nothing I have found that can snap someone out. One thing that I found that was helpful, um, at least in my personal case, was when people were just patient with me. So when they would give me space and they would remind me maybe, oh, listen, I'll come back in a couple hours or, you know, we can watch a movie tomorrow. It's, it's the reminder of something the next day, the next week, the next month. That, actually, yeah. that really helped. And it was, it was also the gentleness of it. You know, if you, if you go in, if somebody came in and yelled at me and told me like, you're a failure, you're lying on down, you're doing nothing, you're making a waste of your life. Well, yeah, that's, that's definitely not going to help at all. And I'm just being honest, um, you know, so the gentleness, the understanding, and then the feeling of time building up, you know, the, the, the fact, I, th- I think, you know, a lot of people are feeling hopeless and you brought that up earlier. And I think they're feeling lonely as we are all more connected technically on a, a worldwide web uh, system. And you mentioned anime before, um, you know, I think we're seeing as we get, yes, more connected on web, we are less connected in a lot of meaningful ways, in deeper ways. And we have, you know, fly by night friends that we see maybe online or communicate with it, or, you know, I guess pleasantries, but the depth and some of that stuff, I feel like loneliness is a big factor too, you know, and um, we've, we've talked about confidence and, and building ourselves up and, and loving ourselves um, in prior, prior shows. I do feel that's important to bring up here. So, you know, I've, um, I, I, I don't know what you've done with, I would like to hear that. So I'm going to bounce to you in a second. I just, for me, I did find that, um, writing down, like, so when I'm in a good mood, you know, writing down the accomplishments I've made, then when you're in a bad mood or you're really feeling down, you can open up something and you can see all these things that you've done and accomplished and people that care for you. I like that. So that's something that helped me. And, um, you know, of course, having somebody safe to talk with that you can just literally go up to them and tell them, listen, all right, I got down. I got to start something. Um, One of the things I know, because people now are more 
they're less demonstrative with their thoughts. They don't want to be thought of as weird or crazy because so many of us are. Um, so what happens is you can't get people to open up. Many of the people I've worked with, if not all, um, don't like talking about things that are bothering them because they all say the same thing. If you bring it up, they relive it because they're so vi their memories and their and their ability to visualize is so vivid. So they say, I don't want to bring it up because I have to relive it. And I suffer twice if you're talking about feelings. Um, if you have people that aren't that, their, their emotions aren't that intense, yeah, they can talk about stuff. It isn't, when somebody who is very, very sensitive, someone on the autistic spectrum, starts talking about what's bothering them, what's plaguing them, um, what's making life really, really awful, they start to get very emotional and they can't repress. So what they do is they repress it. And when you repress something, it makes it much, much worse. And I think we're seeing a lot of that too. On the surface, it looks like people are, uh, are coming out who are depressed. They're not, they're, you know, they're able to talk about it. They want to talk about it, but that's not really true. I mean, it's better, but it's, it's people hide, you know, many, many people are depressed. Many, many people are trying to hide it or not give it any energy. So they repress it. And when you repress something, this is a basic psychological principle. You give it much more power. And then it comes out with inappropriate explosions that have nothing to do with what just happened. But it's just, you're depressed, you're sad, and you're, you're triggered. Your triggers are, are, I guess, more wary. And that leads to violence, sadness, depression, lessening of regard for human life. And that's a huge thing that it's kind of nobody really knows or talks about. So it bothers me. And it's, it's going to get better. I mean, everything is cyclical and history is all about action, reaction. People will just be tired at some point of always being sad. So some of that depression, the stuff that's not organic, will dissipate. Because it's, what's the point of being alive if you're miserable all the time? And there are people that aren't clinically depressed but are taking medication for depression, and they won't have to anymore. Um, things have to get worse before they get better. You know, um, I, I want to repeat one thing that you said because it's so important, and you eloquently stated it, which was, uh, a lot of individuals um, that are really super hypersensitive and you find that absolutely on the spectrum um, when they feel things to such an extreme degree, they do hide away from those feelings. And um, I, I love how you say that they don't want to relive it. And the reason I want to reiterate that is that there's a lot of times where um, me personally, and we've talked about this before, but I, you know, I have a love, lovely little family member and there's times when, you know, she'll look away from the TV and I'm like, well, why does this, like, she literally hides because the discomfort of it. If anybody's ever seen like, you know, a show that has embarrassing moments, like meet the parents with, I'm trying to remember the names of the characters or whatever, but uh, Robert De Niro is one of them. And there's just a lot of embarrassing things that happen. And when she sees those moments, they bother her so much 
that she she kind of goes to something else. And so the other evening, you know, uh, I had actually even asked. I said, "Is this? Are you are you using your electronic device because this is bothering you?" And she said, "Yes." She said, "I'm like I'm hiding in here. It was like a distraction." Um, and the fact that uh, the reason that you brought that up, and I really want to bring attention to it, is that oftentimes the people that are most at risk just don't even seem like it. And this is not a scare tactic. I don't want to make anybody scared or fearful. What I do want to say is that if you have a good relationship with your child and they know that you are a safe place for anything and that you are there and you are loving, when, when it comes to the darkest moment of their life, they will come to you. And you're going to be one of the last places that can help them because when they come to a family member, it's admitting defeat. It's like the, they're letting everyone down. And I didn't ever want to come to any person and tell them that I was feeling the way I did. So when it comes to that moment and they do, it's serious and you never want to play it down. And if you don't know what to do, there is, you know, a suicide hotline, which is 1-800-273-TALK, T-A-L-K, or 1-800-273, I think it's 8255. Um, so as far as that goes, you can call someone and get some help and guidance. For me, and, you know, we, we mentioned it before, you know, bringing up some, some things in the future, trying to be gentle. If yelling and shouting are not going to help, um, alleviating some stress. And some of these depressions can come, again, from a lack of communication. So they're feeling so much anxiety and afraid to disappoint a parent or a loved one or somebody they're, they're trying to impress. That what happens is the pressure just keep building. And, you know, when you're not able to tell or talk, what happens? You, you just start breaking internally. And it's something that when I talk about this, it's painful because I remember how it felt. But I also remember, you know, the fact that if I, you know, had ever, um, there's not a way to talk about it where I, I wouldn't use the word, quote, successful. But if I were able to have taken my life, then I wouldn't be around to have done the things I have accomplished. There was so much potential in every person I've ever met. So anyone like listening to this, please know that you're heard and you're valued and you, you can add a ton of value to this world. We need people in this world that want to be here and want to help. And unfortunately, I think a lot of the people that can help the most are feeling everyone else and they feel the weight of the world. And I think there's too much stress. There's just so many things. So, you know, yeah. as a parent, yeah, do you have some tips for people just to alleviate oh, you know, some of these that's things? Not where, that's not where I wanted to go with this. Go for where it, wherever I, you were going. Yeah, it's like um, you don't want to, because of social media, admit you're having problems because then everybody would kind of look down on you and everyone's faking it in social media, Facebook. They're all doing wonderfully. They just got back from a trip. Most of them are, uh, most of them are not doing wonderfully. They're suffering too. And they have to stuff it. They can't admit they have problems. Um, parents are ashamed of kids that are not doing well in school. 
people, they lie. Um, it's this face-saving behavior, which is so detrimental. And the other thing I want to add, and this would probably sum up my input on the subject, is I personally believe, and I know this is true, this environment, physical environment, is terrible. Um, you have adulterated food. Most people drink polluted water, not polluted from you know, viruses and bacteria, but polluted from all the chemicals that are in it. Um, we eat foods that are um, not natural because they use fertilizer and stuff and round up on, with, kept, with forever chemicals in them. I think most people, uh, and, and then most people eat garbage. Um, and the TV networks, radio, they talk about Burger King, they talk about McDonald's, they talk about Pizza Hut. Right before and after, they're talking about depression. So that it's like that stuff's causing some depression, too. If you're eating garbage and breathing this air and drinking this water and not taking supplements and, and eating a lot of meat with chemicals in it, that, with animals that are raised in inhumane conditions, yeah, that's going to make things worse. We just need to live more purely. And I'm hoping that um, the organic movement really spreads and that we do something about our food and water. I really agree. Um, for anybody listening that's, that's interested, there's a phenomenal book by, I don't remember the title, but Dr. Gundry, you can look that up and you'll find the book, but it's, it's, uh, it's fascinating to read. And it's about inflammation, which is becoming a massive topic in just, you know, lifespan, but definitely mental health as well. Um, you know, um, the reason I wanted to do this show is, you know, this is something that's a, a topic that a lot of times I've been on other shows and they ask me and, you know, I, we never really get to some of the meat of, of how some of this stuff really feels and how serious it really is. I mean, when somebody's at this low point, you know, they're moments away from, um, you know, just taking the wrong action. And um, it, it's, there's, there's so many opportunities to step in and do the right thing before um, people feel like that. And, you know, um, one of those things is, you know, make sure that people feel loved and heard and listened to think, you know, um, I'm, I'm bad at this. I talk too much and I should listen a lot more. Um, so, you know, those are things that a lot of times if you're just listening and you're around, you'll, you'll pick up, you'll see who's maybe suffering on the inside and, you know, give a person a hug, you know, be, be kind. When you see somebody, you, you always get a choice how you react. And that's really the only thing we can absolutely control is how we react to things and just keep making more positive choices. And it does help rewire the brain. And you can, I really truly believe that you can rewire the brain and help keep depression at bay. I'm, I've been at, I've been walking this walk now for over 10 years. So it is possible. It's not easy by any stretch of the imagination, but it is worth every second. And so I hope no one gives up because it's just, there's too many people. You brought up the statistics earlier. There's just too many people taking their own life. And it, there's just no reason for that. So parents, please talk with your children. Just love them. Let them know that, that you're a safe place. And this is, it's not easy to do any of this stuff that we talk about doing. None of this stuff comes, we all try our best. 
Um, but individuals that are suffering and feeling really down, the one thing that I can absolutely say with certainty is don't beat yourself up for being in a state you don't understand. If you're in that state and nobody else understands and you don't understand, don't try to force yourself to feel happy. It doesn't work. Um, what you do is just understand yourself, love who the person you are, understand the days improve. Um, so I think that we can kind of leave it there. I, do you have anything that you wanted to add? Oh, I think we've done a really nice job with this topic. Okay. Jeffrey, this is not an easy topic for me to talk about. Thank you for being there all the time um, and always being a source of you know, inspiration and brightness for so many people that you help, um, including myself. So thanks for everybody to, for listening. And, you know, uh, please continue to send us great topics um, and questions. It's been really helpful. And thanks for listening. Um, we'll be back next week. Have a great day. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Gas to Geared Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with everyone you know. And definitely like, follow, and subscribe. Certainly leave a comment if you'd like. Let us know what you'd like us to talk about the next time. Also, in our show notes, there should be direct links where you can follow us on our social media, as well as reach out to us directly. Thanks again, and have a great day. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed on Chaos to Cured podcast are the speaker's own. All discussion is based on our own experiences. We do not and cannot guarantee the accuracy or completeness of any information. Chaos to Cured podcast cannot give medical or health advice. All discussion is based upon our personal experiences and meant for general and educational purposes. This podcast is not a substitute for professional help or for diagnostic purposes for yourself or another. Chaos to Cured podcast always encourages you to consult an appropriate professional.